Hey all, welcome back to a dram of diving. Uh, we have some special guests from NASA Buoyancy Lab today. Uh, I wanted to say it's been a little bit since we've seen you guys. Uh, happy holidays and happy new year. Um, <clears throat> I got my second vaccine today and I'm feeling pretty good. We'll see how I feel in the next couple of days. But uh, I know that people might be asking that. Um, <clears throat> so you can, as always, throw your questions and comments up in the comments area. We'll see them and throw them up on the uh the stream when we get a chance to it. Uh, we have the podcast up and running. Uh, it'll be about a day or two before that's up there. And as always, the YouTube channel, uh, you see the links in the comments already. Uh, and uh, thank you very much to all of our Patreon subscribers. Uh, any additional Patreons would be amazing. We are actually planning on redoing our studio space uh, very soon. So any help would be super appreciative. Um, and which has been very interesting lately is in the mail and i know that we like talk about the whiskey and everything like that and but diving is our primary and the christmas gifts new year's gifts and just general's gifts have been super ecstatic uh exciting we got some johnny walker blue label i think we talked about that previously um bahama bill who featured previously got us woodford reserve um for taking him ice or uh taking him dry suit diving and freezing cold uh scott smith got the quiet man and my mother got me a birthday gift of Aberfeldy. So I have no clue what I'm going to drink tonight. Um, but I promised Scott, so I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna have a, a dram of Scott's uh Scott's quiet man. We'll see how that goes. But uh super appreciate that, guys. Thank you very much to everybody who who contributed those uh and who's on the Patreon with us. So we've got uh Lauren and Ellie from the uh NASA Neutral Buoyancy Lab, and we'd love to have your questions. We're going to have a rundown little chat with them and see how things are going and uh, talk about their jobs and their journey. So welcome, Lauren and Ellie. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey. Uh, hello. How are we doing tonight? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Hanging in there. It's freezing cold and snowing here. What about you guys? I wore sandals today, but... <laughs> ah, killing me. Yeah. We're in Texas. It's a little bit warmer. Yeah. <laughs> So what part of Texas are you guys in so that everybody, maybe people don't know where the Neutral Buoyancy Lab is? Um, I'm in Pearland, so I'm right outside of Houston. Lauren lives a little bit further. I'm in Galveston, which is a, a barrier island about 45 minutes south of Houston proper. And the Neutral Buoyancy uh, Lab is located in, in Clear Lake or Webster, Texas, um, just about 20 minutes outside of Houston proper. Nice. So um, let's do this. Let's get into uh, you guys are representing yourselves and your journey there and you're not representing NASA in any way, shape or form. But we want to talk to you about your journey essentially, but we got to talk about NASA a little bit. Um, I'll give you guys kind of a heads up that Ellie, I guess, best way to student intern kind of with us down at deep stop. So in, in Camillus, New York. Um, so that's how we kind of got this going on. And I just met Lauren, uh, I think 14 minutes ago. So, uh, and, and it's been great ever since it's been amazing. So, um, but what does the NASA neutral buoyancy lab do so that people have an idea of what's going on? So the neutral buoyancy lab, um, poses as a, a, um, a training facility for astronauts who are um, practicing for their spacewalks. Um, the neutral buoyancy, um, as we all know from diving, being neutral, um, it, it gives them a feeling of weightlessness. Um, so they're not sinking or floating, they're just kind of stuck there in the middle, just like they would be in space. Um, and then we use weights and foam to kind of get the astronauts in that, that neutral buoyancy sense. Um, and then they go about their spacewalk in underwater um, where we have the um, full-scale mock-ups of the International Space Station um, for them to practice on the exterior um, for their spacewalks. Nice. So quite literally, everybody's underplaying diving because we have this massive pool and everything so these astronauts can pr practice to be astronauts when we just do this for fun on a daily basis. Exactly. Okay. That's, that is yeah. like, like... That's, I think that's an amazing selling point to getting people in diving. Like literally there's a pool and a facility so that astronauts can pretend to be divers, like legit. Like tell them yeah. I said that. I'm sure they'll be ecstatic about that. And they do actually, all the astronauts have to be scuba certified before they get into the suit. So they go through scuba training as well. 
That's amazing. I love that. So um, that gives us a pretty good rundown of what um, what the NASA Neutral Buoyancy Lab is all about. Uh, I, I guess that Rick has decided that since Ellie is his number one favorite intern ever. Um, Ellie, so what do you do at the NASA Neutral Buoyancy Lab? What's kind of what you're there for? So my technical position um, is critical systems maintenance technician. So I'm a tech for the critical systems. Um, I kind of help out wherever right now I'm a tech one. So I help primarily with scuba maintenance. I do a lot of the tank cleaning right now. Everything has to be O2 cleaned um, because we dive 46% nitrox. So, but we clean it to such a high standard that we actually take samples and look at it under a microscope and count the particles. So everything wow. is, it goes in a clean room. Like everything is super, super clean. Um, all of our regulators, we make sure they're O2 clean, the uh, cylinders, everything. Um, so that's primarily what I'm doing right now. I'm vipping tanks, O2 cleaning them, putting them together because we dive them as doubles. So that type of work, um, I've helped a little bit with the regulators and we also have um, the suits are on umbilicals. So that control system, we do a little bit of the work on that and make sure everything is clean and functioning there as well. Um, and then hopefully I'll be diving soon <laughs> also. Um, I've been in the pool a couple times, but uh, I'm trying to get settled into my role with critical systems first, and then I'll start assisting on tests. Nice. Um, can you clarify what critical systems are? Because uh, I'm not sure whether people are going to grasp that or not. So it's all the life support systems, the scuba equipment, um, our water treatment system, breathing gas, uh, mixing where we make the nitrox, all of that is under critical systems and environmental control. So where they're actually uh, like the umbilicals and all of that, that's supplying your water, your gas, um, the pressure transducers that hook up to the suit, all of that is in critical systems. Nice. Um, so why 46% nitrox? If one of you guys has an answer to that, just curious. I think because of the length of time that they're underwater um, yeah. I, and also the suits are pressurized. Um, I don't remember exactly how much more than Lauren, maybe you. They're, so the suits are pressurized to uh, four pounds um, delta, depending on where we are in the water column. Um, the pool is 40 feet deep. Um, oh. So they, you know, our environmental control systems have to um, keep up with that pressure depending on where they are in the water column. Um, so with that, and then the, the training runs are six hours long. Um, they do not exceed six hours. Um, and for the dive team, the divers are on, um, on gas. Um, there are three teams. So the divers are on gas. There's um, for two hours at a time. Um, the first and third team divers are the same individuals where the second team, they just dive once for that day for two hours, uh, two hours and 10 minutes. Um, so given the, our depth um, is, is about is 40 feet and our time, we can have a three hour single exposure um, time uh, with a max five hours a day. Um, but on a test run for, for training astronauts, um, we are limited to um, roughly two, uh, two and a half hours um, for our dive. And so the 46% percent nitrox just allows us to, to have longer bottom times um, yep. for that training run. Yeah, uh, that answered the next question. It, it was leading into how deep's the pool and, and starting to figure out that math, but basically did it for us. So without actually doing the entire math. So, um, all right, the not one not so predictable question and one very predictable question. We'll go with the not so predictable first. Brock from Canada, actually. Um, Brock said, Brock's been on the show before. Brock, why do they have to be so clean? Does any of the equipment suits actually go to space? So these specific suits aren't. Um, but anytime you're diving nitrox over 40%, they always want it to be completely O2 cleaned. Or in cases where you're doing partial pressure blending, where you're adding um, just pure oxygen into the system at any point, it has to be clean to the, not necessarily that standard. We go a little bit overboard just to make sure everything is, is definitely good. Um, but it does need to be O2 clean if it's over 40% or if um, pure oxygen is entering the system at any time. Okay. Yes. Uh, that's, yeah, I think that's what Brock was going for is why, you know, why are you putting it under a microscope type of thing? Um, mm -hmm. but that makes sense for standards and procedures with that sort of facility that you you'd have to do that sort of thing. There's, there's some, especially you're in Canada, Brock. So you, they, 
you guys like each other a little bit more than the U.S. does, and people will sue each other for silly things here, um, as we talked about before. Um, Bill Bigelow, Bahama Bill. Just when you thought Nitrox couldn't get any more awesome astronauts, he's doing his TDI Nitrox stuff right now with me. So he's flew up from the Bahamas. Uh, we're going to say just for dry suit. So, All right, Bill. Um, so very nice. Uh, so we covered Ellie's position, uh, but Lauren, we didn't really talk about your position at the facility yet. Uh, what do you do? What's your What's your position there? Um, my, my role, my position right now, I'm a dive operations specialist three, um, a, a trainer. Um, so I'm, I'm in the training group and my role is to train um, the dive staff, the dive staff and um, make sure that they're, you know, following our procedures. Um, I train, you know, from, from they first enter the facility. So we have a, a duty station that's called topside, which is basically for those who are, um, you know, used to offshore work or they're, more or less a tender without actually tending an umbilical. Um, they help with, um, you know, changing out tanks and things of this nature um, to then the float diver who actually carries around a camera underwater and films um, all of the, the training that's going on underwater. Um, and then safety diver, which is the last role that um, you kind of go through before you sort of um, bloom and blossom on your own as a, as a diver at the MBL. Um, so I'm, I'm responsible for training those roles, um, as well as I'm a, a utility and reconfiguration diver. So I work with the astronaut tools um, and reconfiguring the space station to look like the pool for any given, uh, or the space station in the pool to look like the one in space um, per whatever it is that they need for that test that day. Very interesting. Um, so because it's going to come up again i've got to put this up james comfort is the lab ever open to the public and i know that like there's probably 10 or 15 people on here like can i go <laughs> for tours um in non-covid times uh you can get a tour as far as diving there goes i don't think it's ever been in the past no. I would assume not, but no, it's always nice to, it's always nice to ask and, and they, they want to pretend they're astronauts as much as astronauts are pretending they're divers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So very, very interesting. Oh, um, Ellie, you said they're diving doubles currently. What size? Somebody's going to ask eventually. So I might as well they're get out of the way. 80. So yes. 80 aluminum, 80 doubles. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yep. it's a little bit lighter buoyancy characteristics. So. That's, we do have 50s also, but um, pretty much everybody dives the 80s. Yeah, and that time frame will give you a good amount of yeah. good amount of gas. So um, let's let's double back on Lauren here. Lauren, how did you end up at NASA? Well, it's a long story, but I'll keep it brief. That that's, <laughs> you can go as long as you want to. That's it. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. So. Um, Space Center Houston is a, a visitor center of NASA. It's a nonprofit. It's a total separate entity. Um, but I got a, a job there when I was 19 um, as an education um, education instructor. So basically, it was its own school there. They taught you how to teach um, different aspects of aerospace engineering and um, different types of um, physics that, that students would learn um, about space. In this program, specifically called Space University or Space U, um, I would bring my students to the neutral buoyancy lab. They have a catwalk there where um, they're not on the pool deck. They don't actually get in the facility, but they can see over top of it. Um, and I would explain what, you know, what kind of training would go on at the MBL um, and how it relates to NASA, how diving relates to NASA. And then from there, um, I would take the students to a, um, a smaller pool that was in the city and we would teach them basic scuba skills, basically um, remove or replace of your regulator um, your mask and, um, you know, a couple of other things, just little tidbits, how to clear Valsalva. And um, they would build a little project underwater um, that kind of mimicked how astronauts would train underwater. Um, so I got scuba certified when I was 19 and uh, I was involved in this program teaching these students. And uh, the more I started diving, the more I got into it. And the more I started, um, you know, getting into space and being excited about space. Um, and so, in 2015, this was back in 2009. In 2015, I saw um, an opening at the, at the neutral buoyancy lab, and and I went ahead and and, and applied, and and I got in. Um, so I was really fortunate and really lucky that I actually get to do this every day of my life, and I've been there for the past five years. Um, so it's pretty awesome. 
Wow. And is that the, that's the neutral buoyancy lab you guys work at? Is that correct? That's yep. it. Yep. Very nice. <laughs> I love it. So that, that's very, very interesting. So Ellie, we're going to come back to, we got some more questions here in a minute. We'll come back to you guys. Just keep putting them in there. We're going to go through Ellie's little journey here. And then uh, you guys can ask away a couple more questions you got going on there. Ellie, how did you wind up where you wound up? So I started diving at Texas A&M as part of my minor um, with marine biology. It was my major, and then I was doing diving as a minor. And then I actually met Jason. I came up <laughs> to buy a wetsuit in New York. I figured they had more seven mills there than we have in Texas, and I get cold easy. So I went to buy a wetsuit, and then um, you offered me a position interning over the summer. So I picked up some of the like vipping tanks and O2 cleaning, things like that from you. I came back and finished a couple other classes for my minor, like advanced and um, uh, advanced dive master, scientific diving, rescue, that sort of thing. Just focusing on diving for marine biology. And then mm -hmm. I started working at a shop down here um, at Texas Scuba Adventures in Galveston. And through them, I actually started um, working as a dive master for the program that Lauren was talking about. I was in the water as a diver for um, the Space Center Houston students. And then from there, I heard about the opening after school and here I am. Nice. And that was recent, right? Yes, I just started um, November. So November, that's, that's excellent. Two very different routes, you know, like it's interesting <laughs> to see that um, I'd say Ellie, you've got the more traditional route for someone external from the area. And Lauren, it's kind of like, yeah, I was just like here and then did more <laughs> stuff with them. And then I was here some more and did more stuff. So, which is great. It's, it's excellent. Very, very cool. Um, and we loved having you, yeah, Ellie. That's, uh, as Rick said, you're his favorite, number one favorite. I miss you, Rick. <laughs> yeah. He's down in Florida now. He just left. No, I heard, TV. actually, yeah, I heard um, my teacher from Texas called SDI in Florida, and he talked to Rick, apparently. <laughs> so, Jeez, yeah. Rick knows everybody. He does. Oh, good old Rick Pack. Um, Packer. All right. So, um, good question from Brock. Again, how do astronauts control their buoyancy as they consume the gas, especially with aluminum 80s? Does a sport diver control it for them? So the astronauts are not diving doubles. They have an umbilical uh, of their surface supply. Okay. Yes. So their the consistent buoyancy and then the support divers are on doubles and then they would dive like regular. Um, <laughs> are the, what about comms? Are you guys in full face masks to communicate back and forth? Um, we have uh, underwater speakers. Um, so the divers, we're just in a, in a, a mask and, and regulator. Some of the divers dive full face augas, um, but they don't have comms in them. They have the capability to put comms yeah. in them, but um, we don't dive with them. We do have speakers underwater where we can hear um, the entire test that's going on. Um, the astronauts can speak with, to us um, and, you know, we can attend to them and you know, we can hear the test conductor. The test conductor is the one who gives the astronauts um, their procedures for their training run. Um, and so they're kind of walking them through the entire steps throughout the, the training, uh, throughout the training run. Um, so we can hear everything. Um, we usually, um, the divers can talk to each other, you know, as divers, as you have been diving, you can kind of like enunciate words through your regulator. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, so we kind of talk back and forth that way. We also have underwater grease or grease pencils and underwater paper that we can write notes to if we need to. Um, but for the most part, yeah, there's speakers underwater that we can hear um, everything that's going on. Nice. And play some music and hang out. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 I'm sure after hours the music comes on, but not during any anything. No, um, Brock's asking about a specific person. I'm not sure where he's going with it, but Joe Vasquez was he at Neutral Buoyancy Lab? Oh my gosh, that guy's name comes up everywhere. Um, okay. <laughs> yes, um, I was not at the MBL um, when he was there. I do know him through the diving world. Um, I think he left maybe about the year before I came on. Um, but f funny enough, um, I was in Mexico a while back in Isla Mujeres and um, the no, we were in Tulum, and one of the dive shop uh, owners there in Tulum asked me about Joe Bosquez. So I've heard his, and he is actually from Paris, um, uh, and, and worked and living in Mexico. So his name comes up everywhere. <laughs> nice. He was so, instructing yeah. at A and M too when I started. She said yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. So apparently, I need to meet Joe because I don't know who Joe is. So that works. Maybe he'll pop up on here at some point in time. Down in Florida, selling rebreathers now. I think. Is he? What kind of rebreather? 
I don't yeah. know. He works yeah. for Divesoft. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he works for Divesoft? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Uh, very good. So, um, what sort of you guys were talking about the different missions and different um, different things that that they were working on the astronauts are working on. So, what type of missions are those? If you can go into like what their projects might possibly be. Sure. Um, so the space station is is um, pretty old. Um, it's much like an old jeep. Um, pretty finicky. Um, things break down. <laughs> And the thing is, you don't know what's going to break down. Um, there are there are things that um, so like there are environmental control systems on board the International Space Station. A lot of those control units and panels, um, a lot of their power sources, they're um, on the exterior of the space station. So if any of those things break, they need to be able to do um, an EVA. EVA is extravehicular activity, which just means they're going outside of the vehicle, the space station and working on whatever that problem is. So there's a whole series of tests that um, in order for an astronaut to become EVA qualified, they have to be able to do certain tasks, certain EVAs um, that are like the main components of if something breaks, if these main major things break on the International Space Station, that these guys know how to go out, these male or, or female know how to go out um, and fix whatever those, those are. So. A lot of them um, are, are uh-ohs or contingencies if something breaks. Um, right now in the past year, a year and a half, they've been doing um, battery upgrades. So they were at uh, nickel hydrogen batteries for the, the solar panels that store the, um, they collect the sun, um, energy from the sun and they store it in the batteries. Nickel hydrogen batteries um, don't last as long. So they were trying to, to upgrade, they're upgrading the uh, batteries to be lithium ion batteries. Um, so that was done um, over this past year to two years um, we've, that we've been doing um, those kind of training. So the thing with the training is that you, um, the astronauts, much like baseball or, or instruments, whatever it is that you, you practice a lot, you, they're constantly practicing. So you may see as a diver, a battery upgrade um, training run, I don't know, maybe for a month to two months, maybe even a year. Um, because they're practicing so often um, to make sure they get it right for the real deal. So um, it just all depends what it is that their mission is for. Yeah. It's not like you can just run back to work the next day if you don't get it, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. Um, Ellie, when they are in the pool doing um, these practice runs, are you involved in that with your position or are you more outside the pool completely? Yeah, I'm more often in, we have our clean room um, and a couple other rooms where we're disassembling things like manifolds, tanks, um, cleaning them, doing all of that sort of thing. We have a separate area for our team. Okay. And you got to prep their tools and everything for going into the water. Um, not so much the tools. Okay. But uh, more of the actual scuba gear. So okay. we have so many uh, cylinders that we're doing like 40 cylinders a month that need done, 20 sets of regulators, that sort of thing, where it's kind of on a constant rotation. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, it's a ridiculous amount of equipment. <laughs> Ellie, and her crew, Ellie and her crew keep us pretty much alive, all the dive teams. Their role is to make sure that you know we're in, in good working order with our, our equipment for diving. And we really appreciate her and all her, her team. Sure. Yeah, it, it's excellent seeing teams come together like that. And, you know, the those little what seem to be monotonous things are the things that, you know, keep you alive when you when it comes to going in those sorts of environments. Absolutely. So, and so uh, most of the people that work in critical systems, they will dive on test um, like once or twice a week, something like that to help support. Or sometimes we have to get in the water, um, like when we're replacing check valves on the pool, we'll have to get in and put plugs in, things like that. So. We have some diving that we'll do for that. And then um, most of the time assist on tests too. Nice. That's excellent. Um, <clears throat> so Ellie, you are thinking that you want to move into the more more diving range? Is that is that a natural progression for everybody or is that just an Ellie thing? <laughs> no, I think um, for the most part, uh, most people do assist on test also. I just kind of had to get settled in with critical systems first, because like Lauren said, there's a bunch of different um, steps within diving that you're doing. So once I start training to be like a safety diver or something like that, that's very time consuming. And so I kind of have to have the other stuff down first before I can do that. 
Um, but I know a lot of people, even if they didn't come in as divers, most of the time they'll get certified so that they can help out on test or they'll be helping out on test um, doing top side, like Lauren was mentioning. There's a couple other um, pieces you can help out as well. Yeah. So, um, Lauren, is that kind of a natural progression? Like we, you want somebody to go into the operations side first before they're going to the dive side so they learn the equipment better or, or is it kind of based off of people's experience? Um, I think it's based off people's experiences. And in most cases, um, you know, the positions are, are you know, dive operations specialists. Um, in, in Ellie's, um, the way that she came, came in the door was that she went through directly into the critical systems. Um, so it just depends on what it is that you're, you're hired to do. Um, I came in the dive operations route and, um, you know, kind of moved out from there. Um, and then Ellie came in the other route and she'll just kind of get it on the back end and, uh, and start doing her, her diving operations. Hopefully soon. We'd love to have it. <laughs> Very nice. Um, how does the, I mean, everything we saw the picture and, and everything there's, there's large pieces. Do you guys have to move those large pieces or is it pretty much set where it's supposed to be? Um, I worked on a, it was an interesting, uh, Las Vegas experience of working with a, a group for the, uh, for one of the shows in Vegas on underwater shows, they have everything orchestrated underwater, moving these things with hydraulics and, and all sorts of craziness. So I've seen what I believe would be similar to your guys pool and kind of make, and I'm assuming there's some crazy mechanics that get involved with moving stuff around. Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, we have two cranes. They're uh, D mag cranes that, that are at the, um, on the ceiling of our facility. Um, and they can kind of move around and, and be able to lower a hook down. And we have rigging that will rig up the, the, um, the mock-ups and, um, you know, unbolt them and move them around wherever we need. Um, we also have uh, lift bag operations that we are able to, to lift some of these mock-ups with, um, with lift bags. Um, a lot of these are manufactured to be, um, you know, they're obviously rather heavy, but in the water, some of the smaller mock-ups are more or less neutral, maybe a little bit negative. So a lot of the, a lot of the components, not the big ones, of course, but a lot of the smaller ones, you can definitely, um, you know, pick up with your hand and, and move it around. It's, it's really, um, really awesome to be able to do that. Um, in other cases, like those big um, parts of the, of the space station, we'll use cranes or we'll use lift bags to kind of offload that weight and move them around. Nice. That, that seems pretty straightforward. Um, Brock is making the transition that I was looking to make anyway, so I'll let Brock make my transition for me. Um, how many astronauts in the pool at a time, and what ratio of support divers to astronauts? That's a good question, Brock. Um, so there are two astronauts in the pool um, on, a, on any given day. Um, the MBL used to have the, the ability um, and the, the dive team um, years ago back in the shuttle era to run dual operations where instead of two astronauts, they would have um, four astronauts um, that could work, do independent testing. Um, so now since we, we, we don't have the shuttle program and we aren't training as many astronauts to go to space um, anymore, um, hopefully now that we've got uh, Boeing and uh, SpaceX up, we're starting to you know pick up a little bit more. Um, but two astronauts at a time, and um, I, there, there are four astronaut or four divers per astronaut, and yeah, that is a um, camera diver who is following the test around. They've got a float camera that you know we all. This is a symbol, our our hand signal for float. Um, they kind of go around and they're um, they're observing the test, and it's a live feed to the the test control center, um, and then also it gets recorded and it goes onto the NASA NASA TV channel and stuff like that. Um, so there's a float camera. There is um, two safety divers. There are two safety divers who are responsible for the safety of the astronaut. And then there is a utility diver um, who is not necessarily assigned to a subject um, or, or an astronaut, but they're interchangeable. So um, eight divers total on test um, in the water. We can have more divers than that sometimes um, because we are crammed with, um, you know, like tomorrow we've got a test and Friday we've got a test. So Tomorrow, when we have training going on, we'll also have um, utility and reconfiguration divers in the water to set up for the next test. Um, so on the actual training run, there's eight divers per um, in the water and then four per astronaut. Um, and then any divers in the water doing vacuuming or reconfiguration for the next day just depends. Nice. So you guys vacuum that massive pool. We do. 
Ellie, do you have to vacuum that massive pool or somebody else? Not yet. Oh, boy. That seems like I, I got a robot to vacuum our pool. I wouldn't even want to consider vacuuming that pool. My little word. It's actually uh, quite nice. The dive supervisor will put on music underwater and you oh, just okay. you get a little trap going and yeah. that's good. A little dive. Beautiful. Um, Lauren, you brought up something that you, you said NASA TV. Mm-hmm. Where it's actually broadcasted, is that a closed circuit or is that open circuit to the external? There is on, um, I don't know, now that everybody has um, digital TV in terms of not not satellite, um, but like on Roku's or whatever, you can download an app that's like NASA TV. Um, So basically they show, they have, um, you know, astronauts who will talk about their experiences in space and they have different channels, kind of like a podcast, um, but it's on TV. Um, and every now and then the footage um, will go, not necessarily live, but it'll be recorded and then they'll play it on on this NASA TV channel. Um, gotcha. so that, that can happen. And, and I've seen a couple of occasions where um, it, it's pulled up and I was like, wow, that's 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 where I was there. <laughs> nice. I believe this might be the link to it. I was trying to lead that in there. So um, I threw a link up on the on the comments uh it's a nasa tv link so i'm not sure how that correlates to each person's uh have no close to enough time to research a link before i post it when i'm doing this whole thing um uh, and maybe ellie your clean lab will get featured on the nasa tv at some point in maybe. time a few cleaning regulators and things <laughs> so uh, uh equipment wise so you said that there's a schedule that it goes through ellie um and and obviously there's probably going to be some wear and tear u- usage type stuff where you know hey suddenly so somebody gets out of the pool and there's an issue with the equipment what's the um, what's the procedure for getting that to you for repair and getting it back into the system? So usually they have to tag it and fill out a form saying what's wrong with it. Um, if it's something like the other day we went up on the pool deck and we saw that um, just the purge button was stuck in somebody's regulator and they're like, hey, can you take this down? And you could tell like very clearly it just had like a little cut in the side of it. And that's why it was getting stuck on the side. Um, so we were just able to take that down and switch it out real fast and, and kind of do it that way. It just depends on what's wrong. If it's a more serious problem, then it has to go through a process and we have to make sure we clean it if we take it apart again. So it needs to be O2 cleaned before it goes back into service and all of that. But we have a database that we maintain everything on. So if I would take Lauren's reg, I could see when the last time it was serviced, if it's had a problem, anything like that. I can see who worked on it. Um, it's very detailed record keeping. Nice. Yeah. Um, do you get back forms that just say it bubbles somewhere? There could, they could say like a small leak or something like that. Um, But most of the time, I think everything is maintained to pretty high standard that we don't have equipment failures like every day. It doesn't really happen. Yeah, we'll get dry suits in that people are like, uh, the arm leaks and it's actually the leg and, you know, it just (laughs) bubbles somewhere. I got wet. Like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for the help. I was curious if you had the same pain that I did trying to figure out where in the world issues are with equipment. So, you know. Fun times. Um, ooh, Brock, you're on fire tonight. Jeez. If any of the support divers want to dive recreationally, basically outside of the uh, MBL, do you log your MBL dives as an actual dive? Because it's a pool, but it's a deep pool, and it's got a specific mission, and it's long dives. That's very interesting. So we do have, um, they are logged. Um, we have a dive supervisor that, that takes care of, of all of that. Um, I'm one of them. Um, so we do log the dives for the day. Um, and then you can request your dive log from the MBL. Like if, let's just say, you know, if your time at the MBL is done and you retire or whatever, you can totally request your dive log. Um, and it's got every single dive that you ever did, even if it was a five minute dive. Um, you can log it, it's loggable. Um, but in terms of, you know, if you were diving, you know, open water, I don't think that it would count necessarily as open water. Um, I log, we all log ours in terms of hours. Um, so how many hours do you have versus how many dives? Um, Cause I don't really know how many dives I've had in five years, but I do know that I'm at 1600 dive hours. So yeah. it's you know, a little bit easier to track that way. Um, I do count it as underwater experience, but in terms of, 
if I were to go, you know, to the Caribbean or something like that, I, I don't think that I would count it as a long dive. Gotcha. Yeah. Allie, your thoughts on that? I think most divers there understand that although you're diving a lot, um, it's not the same as being in open water. Mm -hmm. I know people that have started like in critical systems and then moved into diving and they got certified pretty much just to dive there. I've had them tell me like, I'm very comfortable in this pool, but if we're in open water, save me because I don't really know, <laughs> you know, there it's perfect visibility. Like you mm -hmm. can see everything. It's very different from being in open water. Yeah, it's, it's a much weird. more controlled environment, right? Yeah, yes. it's the safest diving you could ever do, really. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. crazy, yeah. crazy amount of resources, which is which is excellent. Um, so, uh, Lauren, you said I don't know if you hit on this already. You said you're moving into you're working on moving, um, I'd say up or adding on some more things for yourself. I don't know if you hit on that. We were talking before the show and, and kind of chatting in the green room. So um, mm -hmm. where, where is the next step for you? We are, we talked about Ellie's next step over and over and over again. She wants to get in the water, but I don't think we <laughs> talked about where you're going from here. Um, so right now I just recently actually um, completed my bachelor's program I was on the 12 year track, but I finally finished. Um, <laughs> And uh, I, I got a, a, a bachelor's of science in um, space studies with a concentration in aerospace science. Um, I really, as being there for, you know, my experience with, with Space Center Houston years prior to, um, and, then, and then my five years at the MBL, I really started developing a love for space and a love for EVA specifically. Um, so I, I found that I really want to stay in EVA and I would like to be one of those um, test conductors slash flight controllers for spacewalks for EVAs. Um, and I know that there's much more to learn. So I am, I've enrolled recently in a, a master's program in systems engineering um, at Emory Riddle worldwide. And um, so I'm, I'm working on that. It should, it's about a two year program. So um, I love, I love the MBL and, and I hope to stay there, but move up a little bit more into, into more of the NASA realm versus just diving. Good. Um, Ellie, are you going back to school for anything? And she mentioned it. I was figured I should drop that because we haven't talked about that. I'm not sure yet. Okay. Just getting used to the NBL for now and see where it takes me. That's a good answer. All right. So I didn't need to write that down because that was a short answer. All right. So, um, Lauren, you brought up a a point that uh, you guys are leading me into everything I wanted to talk about. So that's perfect. Um, so NASA's the neutral or the neutral buoyancy lab is part of nasa but there's clearly probably a distinction between the two in some way shape or form i mean it's you're prepping the astronauts but it seems like a facility is there is there a breakup between the two um i think ellie's got some great nasa gear on right now i believe yeah so um is there a division between the two or how how closely inter intertwined are they or are they under the same big umbrella and how does that whole thing work out they're under the same um, umbrella. Um, it is a NASA training facility. We are a federal um, facility. Um, so there, it, it's, it is a NASA facility. It's owned by NASA. Um, we are, a lot of things with NASA are, um, you have civil servants and then you have contractors. Um, so a lot of NASA um, is, has a contract and there are other companies that are, that are involved in that. But everybody is, a, a, is badged to be NASA but whether you're a contractor or a civil servant. Um, so you going on the more NASA side is just moving up into a different area of yeah. NASA from where you're at right now. My hope, my dreams. Or your hope. Yes. Your hope. That we're, um, I'm trying to find the Ellie's got some great swag. And I thought there was a, I'll try to find a link for that later on. I don't yeah. think there is. Is there, a, there was something, there was some sort of a, I saw you could buy a patch or something. I was looking for images. <laughs> it, it's gotta be t-shirts or something. So I'll post that up eventually. I'll find that link. I'm not going to search for it because it didn't pop right up. So, um, oh, oh. <laughs> thanks, <you> Kristen. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Lauren, you're doing great too. Yeah. Is that your mom, Lauren, or who's that? <laughs> your wife. Nice. I, yeah. love it. I love it. That is amazing. I didn't look at the picture. Very nice. Yes, you guys are both, and you too, Lauren. There you go. You're both doing wonderfully. I love it. Um, 
And we are coming down towards the end of things a little bit. Uh, let me go through these questions really quick. Make sure we didn't miss anything. People making fun of me like normal. Okay, beautiful. We got all that. Um, so uh, is there a mission coming up or what are you guys currently working on? Um, right if now there are, yeah, there are some spacewalks that are going to be going on soon um, at some point this year. Um, I think with the new administration, it, it's kind of, not hit or miss, but we don't know what the schedule is going to be like, especially now with COVID and all of that. Um, there are uh, astronauts on the space station right now, and there are some EVAs, some spacewalks that are planned. And uh, so we're we're there to support those. Um, we also do sort of like, um, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Apollo 13, mm -hmm. uh, where you know the CO2 scrubber breaks and then the engineers have to go into this room and they have all the stuff that they have on board the capsule um, to try to build a new filter. So basically the NBL has those, those um, abilities too. So anytime there's a spacewalk going on in, in space, um, even if it's the weekend or something like that, we are always ready and we have an on-call list um, for any situation that might arise on a spacewalk that, or, or if something breaks, that they have the ability, that, that NASA has the ability to send people in to come in and do last minute training at the NBL. So um, we are, are always online, ready to support um, whatever, whatever arises, whether it's a contingency, something happens in space, um, and they need to go out or, um, or if it's, it's a planned one. So we've got a couple of planned EVAs coming up soon that um, they're going to be doing um, some upgrades and um, adding new upgrades for, for certain uh, payloads. So um, that's coming up soon. Nice. Excellent. Um, there's actually something you brought up, Ellie. Um, yeah. With, uh, we kept talking about COVID and everything. Has that changed your well, you came in the middle of it, but are there different protocols because of COVID? I mean, you saw kind of before and after in the scuba world, so it's kind of similar, but is there before and afters that you've seen with COVID? Are you treating things any differently or? As far as actual equipment goes, I think everything is always clean to a really high standard. Um, but I think the facility itself, like we have checkpoints when we come in um, to make sure everybody that's entering is safe. And I think we're still on limited staff. Like I know certain groups aren't in the building, only mission critical people are there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's a, you, that's a question we get. Are you, are you, you, you clean anything differently? Like you mean the thing you put in your mouth? Like you want me to disinfect I've been disinfecting it. Like we, we do that already. That's, that's standard protocol. Thank you for your time. Yes. Um, like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably take a little bit more care of that instead of being like eh, the chlorine probably kills it. Make sure we actually are spraying everything down, you know, be a little bit more conscious of it. But I think generally things are yeah. pretty clean anyways. Yeah. yeah. A little more aggressive with whatever you're using to clean. But other than that, it's yeah. the same. I mean, I use Steramine and Simple Green sprays on my rebreathers and stuff like that. What else do you want me to do? Acid yeah. wash the entire thing? That's not going to happen. Um, Brock, again, with an excellent question. Um, although the water is 82 to 88, are the, heats, are the suits heated or cooled? So they have um, water cooling going into their suit. Um, from what I understand with the umbilicals, so since they're on surface support, this cold water has to travel to wherever they are in the water. And when we were working on the umbilicals um, earlier this, last year, um, that I guess has been a problem in the past where they have to figure out a way to kind of seal that up to where that cold water isn't running through the warm water to, you know, it kind of defeats the purpose because it'll cool it down or it'll warm it up if it's going through that warm water in the pool before it gets to the suit where it's supposed to be cooling somebody down. They still no. will get hot in the suit. Yeah. All right. Brock must be on some sort of website that's giving him stats. So I'll throw this one up here. You guys can. Uh, NASA indicates that the water turnover is really slow. 19.6 hours compared to a typical commercial pool. Are the pumping systems turned off when the astronauts are in the water to prevent any currents? I think it just takes so long because it's so large. Because um, the water treatment system, I believe, is always running and it's very large. <laughs> if you go outside, there are like huge tanks outside. Um, and I don't remember all the ratios of what they told me how quickly the water treatment system uh, cycles through, but I know it, it does cycle through fairly quickly for how big of a pool it is. Gotcha. 6.2 million gallons. And um, it takes a long time or, or quite some time to get that. As far as the currents, there's no currents. The only current you'll feel is if you're at the surface and you're in the, 
near the area where the um, the training is going on. If you're at the surface, you can feel obviously everybody's bubbles, you know, kind of pushing you around. That's really the only current that's in there. Nice. Um, all right, Brock, I'll take one out of your, your little playbook here. Uh, an FYI of the NFL consumes 464,000 gallons of Gatorade each season, the neutral buoyancy lab pool could hold more than enough for 13 seasons there before you start throwing it up there. So we can make a lot of Gatorade out of that pool. Apparently. Um, oh, might show up here. Um, hi Joe. I don't think we've met. Nice to meet you on virtual, whatever. Um, <laughs> so I've heard good things in the past hour. So, uh, beautiful. So, uh, the pool cleaning and everything, the, the turnover, does that cause any issues with the cleaning of the pool, like with filtration systems in the pool? Because it's a slow turnover means that the um, it might be a little more of a challenge to actually filter it and to get it crystal clear the way it is. I think the system that they have works well enough for what they do because I don't think there's ever a problem with it. Yeah. Everything's on such a schedule too for changing out filters. Um, yeah, I don't think they have any problems with that. Does visibility fluctuate at all or is it pretty, it's straightforward. I mean, when there's, from what I understand, when there's people in the water, um, it, there's a little tiny bit to where you it can't see like straight down. There's a little bit of a ripple um, to where right, from what right. I've heard when there's absolutely nobody, like you can see crystal clear all the way down, but it's pretty clear. Nice. And that everybody's pretty much on open circuit scuba, right? There's not, Nobody's on rebreathers or anything like that, right? No, no I don't think so. That's it's a lot to be put in a rebreather in that sort of situation. So, um, all right. I think everybody put this is the last call for your questions. If you're going to throw them up on there, everybody. I don't think we're going to get any right now. They've been, unless Brock's trying to find some more interesting <laughs> material here. Um, so, uh, do you guys have any parting things you want to say to anybody, everybody that is listening, watching, or listen and watching in watch in the future, Lauren? Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> words of wisdom, if you will, just just tidbits, something we can quote later on with your name and oh. with a tilde out before it. Um, just keep doing what you love. You never, um, you never know that you know one of your hobbies turns into a career. Um, a career that you that you still love and that you still love diving or doing playing guitar or diving or whatever it may be. Um, if you love it, keep going for it and you never know where it might take you. Yeah. And that's, I think that's part of what, um, what I wanted to get across was that it, it wasn't a um, well knowing Ellie's story. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to work for Nessa buoyancy, neutral buoyancy lab. I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to school for this. This is what's happening. It just kind of fell in, her lap and it seems like i mean you guys were working towards it but like holy crap really cool job um yeah. um so <laughs> brock didn't do enough research to harass us ahead of time it's one of the benefits of putting it up late so that brock can't harass us too much <laughs> I love gotcha. um yep ellie words of wisdom something we can quote you on for later on i'm gonna put it like with stencil on the wall or something um pretty much i would keep with that theme of do what you love um definitely take every opportunity that you can um keep an open mind because something that you think is like eh, okay i'll do it i don't know why i'm doing it um could end up being like what gets you the job later like jason you definitely helped me out um i when i came into new york i was like sure i'll come and intern for the summer here like i'm staying with my aunt and then yeah. I ended up vipping tanks and doing some O2 cleaning. It was kind of like, I don't know when I'll ever use this, but sure, I'll do it. And then now that's pretty much what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> so it definitely, right? yeah. yeah, it helped out. Any experience you can get definitely yeah. helps. I love it. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you, Laurie and Lauren, and it was wonderful seeing you, Ellie. Um, if you come up, let me know ahead of time and we can figure something out. Um, and maybe we'll get a dive. You can go in the really cold diving again. I have a dry suit now, so I can do it. Oh, yes. Absolutely. That. Let's I'll be a lot more comfortable yeah, than last time. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, oh, and Brock says, thank you. Excellent presentation. Very interesting. Thanks, Ellie and Lauren. All right. Beautiful, guys. Um, I'm going to drop you guys out of the feed, say goodbye to everybody, and then um, I'll pop back on to say goodbye to you guys um, after everybody else is gone. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you guys soon.
Thank you. Bye, Bye Alex. All right, guys. Uh, thank you very much for watching. Um, I know we ran into a little bit of a scheduling issue. So uh, again, this will be up on the YouTube channel um, and um, I'll post a link up to that right now. Uh, it'll be on YouTube essentially forever uh, and it will be housed on Facebook also. Uh, again, thank you for all of our Patreon donors. It really, really helps out. Um, thank you, Scott and uh, Bahama Bill and John Hanabin for the different bottles of whiskey. I love it. Um, I was sipping on the quiet man from Scott uh, throughout the entire show, which was wonderful. I really appreciate that. Uh, and he just randomly sent that. That was a, that was wonderful. So here's a Patreon link here, uh, right above our microphone or next to our microphone, right around here. There'll be a follow button on YouTube. Please follow our channel. It really helps us out a ton. Uh, thank you very much. Safe diving. And in two weeks, we will be back um, with some cave diving question and answer uh, check in with uh, a couple of ladies. Uh, one you guys know, uh, Natalie. Uh, that frequents the show. So uh, stop by with us in about two weeks or well, in exactly two weeks. And uh, well, you have to see, make sure I'm still around after my second COVID shot. So you got to see what's up. Maybe I'll have a third eye like Ross said I'm going to have. So we'll see. All right. Have a wonderful night, guys. Thank you very much. Um, be safe.